Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. All right, let's just break this down in its most elemental and basic level. Tom Brady answered a question this year that if you are a football fan, you have been debating with your buddies for the last 20 years or so. Who was more responsible for the New England Patriot dynasty? Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? And the answer, I am telling you, is decided forever in my mind. It is Tom Brady. Because what he has done this year, if you are a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, you could not have hoped for anything better than this. Three straight wins on the road against Washington, New Orleans, and Green Bay. And I know Brady was not extraordinary and there are still some Tom Brady haters out there. But Brady has answered three, to me, cardinal questions that have existed in the world of sports for a long time. The first one, okay? The first one was what I just said, who's the most responsible for the New England Patriot dynasty? To me, Brady has answered that question. But for the past... Six or seven years we've been debating who's the greatest quarterback of all time. And it was really Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning for a long time. And I'll admit I was a Peyton Manning guy for a long time. It now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is Tom Brady as he goes to his 10th Super Bowl. And I'm going to run through several stats for you eventually. But Tom Brady 
the creator of the greatest dynasty, also now the uh, greatest quarterback of all time. And I believe, and maybe we'll unpack this more throughout the week, and certainly after the Super Bowl we'll be able to have a debate, but I believe that Tom Brady is now the greatest American pro sports team athlete of all time. Now, I think there are other guys you can put into that debate. For a long time, I would have said Michael Jordan. Because Jordan and what he did with the Bulls, six titles in eight years, I think that Jordan has now been eclipsed, in all honesty, with the performance that he has, uh, that, that, that Tom Brady has made. This would have been like if Jordan had gone to the Washington Wizards and suddenly taken them to the NBA Finals. We knew how good Jordan was with the Bulls, and I know he retired and took a couple of years off, but a lot of us, myself included, kind of pretend those Wizards years didn't really happen for Michael Jordan. When Brady went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this was a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in 12 years. This was a team without a culture of winning at all. This was a team coming off of a losing record with a former number one draft pick in Jameis Winston who had thrown 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. There was absolutely no reason to believe that in any way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to be able to be in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. Now, older people can say, hey, we can talk about Bill Russell. There are all different sorts of American pro sport team athletes that you could toss out. And again, I'm not talking about individual. I'm not talking about Serena Williams. I'm not talking about Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal or, uh, or Michael Phelps or any of the Olympians. I'm talking about just an American pro sports team athlete. I don't think there is anybody else even in the stratosphere of where we are right now with what Tom Brady has been able to accomplish. And there are so many different crazy stats that I want to hit you with that are going to blow your mind right here about Brady and the Bucks. And by the way, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes. There's obviously a bunch of different storylines out there. Josh Allen as well, as we unpack everything in the AFC and in the NFC Championship games. But here's a few stats for you that I think you're just going to hear and you're going to be like, that doesn't, doesn't sound real. Brady is going to play in his 10th Super Bowl in 19 seasons as a full-time starter. Brady, this is from Jeff Howe uh, on Twitter, Brady has been more likely to play in a Super Bowl 52.6% of his full seasons as a starter. He's been in the Super Bowl. than Michael Jordan was to hit a shot. <laughs> I mean, that is pretty extraordinary in many different respects to break that down. Uh, NFC Championship game wins. Aaron Rodgers won, Drew Brees won, Tom Brady won. Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees are first ballot NFL Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They played their entire career so far in the NFC. In his first year in the NFC, Tom Brady has as many NFC championships as they do. I mean, that just doesn't even sound like it should be possible or should be real in any way. I mean, that is utter insanity. Uh, that is another crazy stat for you. Career postseason wins over NFC teams. Brett Favre has 12. Aaron Rodgers, 10. Joe Montana, 10. 
Tom Brady has nine. He's only played in the AFC. Obviously, he's gotten wins, six of them, in the Super Bowl, and now three of them this year, such that he almost has as many postseason wins in the NFC as Aaron Rodgers does in his entire career and as Joe Montana does in his entire career. Here's a stat that I saw, and I was like, this, is, this cannot be real life. When Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl in 2002, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen were both in kindergarten. Kindergarten. That is how long ago that position was. That is just unbelievable to even think about that as being a possibility. Kindergarten. It's absolute insanity. Tom Brady's Super Bowl appearances match the combined total of Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Dan Marino. All of those guys combined who we know are among the greatest quarterbacks who have ever played the game. Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Dan Marino combined have the same number of appearances in the Super Bowl as Tom Brady. Nobody Brady has now played in 10 Super Bowls, second best in the history of the NFL in the Super Bowl era, is John Elway, who has five. He doubled him. Tom Brady did. I mean, the amount of superlatives that we can bring to bear here for Tom Brady is truly off the charts at this point in time, such that it's difficult to even quantify or even compare how dominant he has been relative to anybody else out there in the larger stratosphere of the NFL. And to do it in this year, among all years, it was always going to be insanely difficult to go to a new place to work. But to manage to pull this off in a COVID year when you don't have as much time in the offseason to work with your teammates, when there are all different sorts of rules that restrict your ability to have a normal existence is a flat-out unbelievable accomplishment in so many different respects that it's hard to even contemplate how good and how incredible and how phenomenal Tom Brady has been, such that, again, I think you break down that trio and you say Brady is not only the greatest quarterback in NFL history, he is also, as you run through it, the reason for the New England Patriot dynasty, more important by far than Bill Belichick, who, by the way, has a losing record as a head coach in the NFL now without Tom Brady. And also, I think that Tom Brady, with this 10th appearance in the Super Bowl, certainly if he wins it, has passed Michael Jordan as the greatest American pro sports team athlete of all time. And again, you contextualize inside of the sport itself that he plays, nobody is actually able to be there with as much time and as much energy and as much effort as he's brought to bear here. It truly is an absolutely extraordinary situation to put into that context. So as you break all this down, 
it is truly remarkable to think about what Tom Brady has accomplished. Now, on the other side of the Super Bowl, when you think about Patrick Mahomes, who, as I said, was in kindergarten when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes may be able to make a claim in some way to be the next Tom Brady, right? I don't think that's a crazy analogy. Mahomes has played in three straight AFC championship games. He's going to his second straight Super Bowl. The Chiefs are running at an unbelievable clip. They are winning whatever it is, 25 out of the last 26. Look up the number exactly. Maybe it's 26 out of 27. I mean, there's nobody that is really playing at the level that the Chiefs are. And maybe down the line, we will think about Patrick Mahomes as being able to challenge Tom Brady. But it's going to take about 15 or 20 years of sustained excellence from Patrick Mahomes in order for that even to be a reality at all, any possibility whatsoever. That is an unbelievable stage of dominance to have to be there. I mean, we talk all the time about really good, let's say, NBA teams. Remember we sat back and we talked about the Golden State Warriors going 73-9? and They had hardly any stretches of time in basketball when they won as many games as we saw the Chiefs win in their last 27. Almost no sport out there has anybody won 26 out of 27 games. That's unheard of, especially in the NFL, what's going on right now. Nobody does it. The Chiefs are winning at a level that has virtually never occurred in the history of the NFL. And unlike, let's say, Major League Baseball or certainly the NBA or a place like that where there are no, you know, the the, the difference between teams can be substantial, right? There's no opportunities in the NFL where you can just show up and win, right? I mean, when you actually break it down, there are a lot of NBA games where one team is 15 points better than the other. That doesn't happen hardly ever in the NFL. The line between success and failure is minuscule. And so as you just sit around and think about what these Kansas City Chiefs are accomplishing, we truly are seeing almost no one ever having done it before. 26-1 and in their last 27. It's off-the-charts level success. And then you pair that with Brady going up against uh, Patrick Mahomes, who may one day be his heir apparent. It is just incredible to even think about the way that that is all shaking down. So in general, uh, just an absolutely phenomenal performance so far uh, that we saw from both those guys. I can't wait to see what's going to happen going forward with both of them. But that is not the only big storylines here. For sure, we got to dive into the decision-making that happened down the stretch in the NFC Championship game. The decision, uh, which is just an utterly ridiculous one in my mind, to do what they did to punt and to uh, decide, uh, sorry, not to punt, to decide to kick the field goal there 
is absolutely crazy. Dub, you you led me astray there. You said it's twenty five and one, not twenty six and one. Yeah, I got fat fingers, Clay. So forgive me on that one. But I mean, either way, twenty five. Yeah. They're going for twenty six and one in the Super Bowl. Twenty five and one, twenty six and one, twenty four and one. Whatever it is, we've literally hardly ever seen that level of dominance with Patrick Mahomes as the starting quarterback. And I know the Chiefs lost their final game uh, against the the Chargers, but let's be honest, the reason why that happened uh, was because Patrick Mahomes wasn't playing and the Chiefs were taken off the game. So that is just an unbelievable level of accomplishment. All right? So we got a great Super Bowl. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. We're going to be breaking that down a lot for two weeks. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. 
Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Joined now by Sean Merriman, Lights Out podcast with the iHeartRadio podcast network. And, uh, Sean... I I thought coming into this season, maybe Brady plays this year, maybe he plays another year. After watching this season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm like, this dude's going to play till he's 50 years old. And I know he didn't have a spectacular game, but when you look at the whole aspect to go on the road, win three games out of the wild card, now get to play at home in two weeks, I, it, it's an unbelievable accomplishment by Tom Brady, isn't it? You know, when he said uh, a couple of years ago that he wanted to play till he was, you know, 45, 46 years old, you know, I just thought he was just talking crazy. I really did. It didn't sound possible, right? I mean, we've seen some guys play into their early 40s, you know, Drew Brees and, and Brett Favre, some of these guys. But as you see how Drew Brees finished up the season, didn't play well, whether that was injury or age, um, I really believe he can play till he's 46 years old. And yeah. he, he probably can play well because – of how he's playing now. He's not getting hit as much. Uh, you know, he's learning how now to move around in a pocket. He, I mean, he's moving better right now than he did five or six years ago. And uh, that's just kind of crazy to say. And uh, as long as they keep those pieces around him in Tampa, why not? I, I just, you know, why not? Why not play to you 45, 46 years old? Is he the great, we talked about this earlier in the show. In your mind, I think the greatest quarterback of all time, there's no argument anymore, right? I mean, that that, that ship has sailed. Maybe in 10 years, if Patrick Mahomes continues to play like he is, maybe we can end up 15 years having a debate between those two or maybe somebody else is going to come up and start to have uh, a level of success that we don't anticipate otherwise. But is there any doubt now about him being the greatest quarterback of all time and I think he's ascended to the point now where you can argue he's the greatest American sports team athlete of all time. A hundred percent. And, you know, it, it was funny because I've played against him, and obviously I've always had my thing against the Patriots, right? I mean, they, they sent us home out of many playoffs and stopped yep. out Super Bowl, things like that, so I've always had my gripes there. Uh, but I also always believed Tom Brady's greatness was partly due to Bill Belichick. That's right. And, you know, having a owner – an organization and how they just put all the pieces to the puzzle uh, every single year. Uh, I was wrong. You know, I was wrong, man. I, I just now seeing what he's doing in another organization, another team, another conference, another setting and older. Uh, there's not even a, a, a doubt, not even a 1% chance that he's the goal, but I'll take it a step further. I don't think there's anybody even close. Like if you start naming your top three quarterbacks of all time, I don't even put anybody in, in, in the category with him and how he's performing and how he's playing. 
Uh, you know, if he does go and win a ring, and he still has a chance to go in the, you know, the next one or two years to win another one, we will never. And, you know, I, I hate to say never because never is the word that always come back and bite you in the ass a little bit, right? But we will never see another performance, another quarterback like Tom Brady again in this lifetime. I, I agree with you. And, and to kind of put into context how long he has been doing this, I saw a stat and I was like, this is a, a, amazing. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes on the other side in the AFC championship game, they were in kindergarten when Tom Brady played in his first Super Bowl. I mean, if that doesn't blow your mind out there for everybody who is listening to us right now, kindergarten, he's been in the pros. He was in the Super Bowl since they were in kindergarten. It's unbelievable. Well, you know what? A lot of these guys still got on diapers playing against him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that's the way he's making people look. And, you know, he also went against another quarterback who we also look at as great, as one yeah. of the greatest. You know, he went against a guy who, in ten years from now or fifteen years, will be still calling him one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game in Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, with that being said, man, uh, and, and the way he's winning and his level uh, and, and intensity, I mean, at some point in time, right? And I, you know, I watched, you know, watching the, the Conor McGregor fight the other night. I always felt like, okay, you got you got enough money, you got your family. Your attitude and your demeanor starts to change when you reach a, a plateau in your life. I mean, it happens to the best of everybody. You, you, your mentality changes just a little bit, and nothing changed about Tom. You know, it's, yeah. it's not the the fame, it's not the money, it's not the all the rings, the winning. You still see the intensity and the passion to run out there and go and dominate that you've seen ten or fifteen years ago, and that. That to me, and you know, kind of being a, a, a former athlete and a, you know playing ball my whole entire life, you get to a point where you're like, oh, okay, well, you did this, you did that, you did that. So your attitude, mentality changes over the course of time, and to see him still now compete and want to win as bad as he did ten or fifteen years ago is amazing, man. I, I don't think I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. All right, let's go to the other side, Aaron Rodgers. In the post-game press conference, him talking about yesterday's loss, you could just hear it in his voice how much this is going to weigh on him and how incredibly difficult it is going to be. When you think you're on a team that's good enough to win a championship and it doesn't happen, what does that feel like uh, in the NFL? What is that feeling like right after the game? You're dressing, you're in the shower, you talk to the media. I mean, I imagine you feel a little bit like you're in a fog because to your point, yes, you can be successful. You can be making a lot of money, all those things. But the competitor in you is so desperate to win that I imagine it is just, uh, I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers described it as a gut punch to get to play at home. You know, he fully expected to win that game. He prepared to win that game. He was expecting to be getting ready to go down to Tampa and try to win a Super Bowl. And when you're younger, I imagine you lose a game, you think, oh, I'll be back there again. I'm sure for Aaron Rodgers, he's sitting around right now thinking, this may never happen for me again. You know, I may never get to another Super Bowl just like Brett Favre did. It's been a decade. He's had opportunities to get back. He hasn't done it. I'm not sure that he'll have another one. What do you think he felt like? You know, a, a, gut, a gut punch is a good word to describe it, but, you know, when you lose those type of games, you start to look back at the off-season programs, training camps, 
uh, the times that you had to go out there and practice and you just didn't feel like it because something was hurting or your know, ankle was swollen or you had a you know, a tight lower back or your hamstrings and knees were bugging you and you forced yourself to go out there. You start looking at every single thing over the course of the year that took you to get there. And that failure is, is right. It's his gut punch. And his heart has to be in his socks right now. Just him walking around knowing that, uh, that they may not have a chance to get back there. That's one of the things that I always said about my career and then also, you know, playing with guys like the Damian Thomas and the Phillip Rivers. And we, we had an all-star squad, and we were so good at a young age that we always felt that we had an opportunity to get back there. And then you start to realize that you have this short run of, of two to four years or somewhere in between there where your team could be really good, and you don't know if that – team is ever going to be assembled like that again and I think Aaron Rodgers alluded to that he said exactly he doesn't know who's going to be here guys got contract disputes uh you know maybe get cut new coaching staffs or you know just new personnel is going to be there and you don't know that those guys are still going to be around and I think also the second part of that is I and I go back to saying this that they brought in another quarterback and whether that's to, for love to get on the field right now or two years from now, whatever that situation being, that had to that had to bother Aaron Rodgers. It had to, and for him to go out and have one of the best seasons ever and not make it, well, you started to look back at well, maybe you could have got us a first round uh, defensive back. I mean, King yeah. played terrible. Yes, King was getting roasted. They kept picking on him the whole entire time. So maybe you go out and draft a, a cornerback or, or slot, uh, you know, something to give him some extra help. And they didn't do that because that's what they needed this game. They King single-handedly, uh, you know, really killed these guys in, in multiple different ways. And if you look back at the opportunity to go get a big-name defensive back or a big-name safety or something that can go out and help you to go and win a championship, that's what really hurts. That hurts you at the end of the day more than anything else. When you see the uh, – it's it's kind of fascinating, the in-game scenario. Because a lot of people – we'll get to this in a sec – the decision to kick the field goal instead of go for it on fourth down. But the end of the first half, in that scenario as a defensive player, I don't know what exactly the play call was, but you're a smart defensive player, and so much of any uh, smart uh, athlete is playing scenarios and situations – it seems to me, I mean, it looked almost like Greg Williams at the end of the game against, uh, against I guess it was, the uh, the Raiders and when he was got fired by the Jets. Why in the world would you be in that defense? I went back and watched it. They were playing man, it looked like, on both of the wide sides of the field, right? Um, and, I mean, whether or not you should ever let that guy behind you, why would you ever be in that perspective? I believe there were six seconds left and the and the Bucks had no timeouts. So if you do anything basically other than if you just tackle him on the field, any player, the half's out, you give up no more points. To me, that was where the game was lost for the Packers in many ways. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's, that starts from the top. It starts from the coach. You can't put your players in bad situations like that. But also I'll go back to King. Uh any, and this is football one on one. This is not uh, you know just because I played the National Football League. No, this is this is high school level uh, scenario situations. When it, when it's that much time on the clock, you're going into the half. You keep everything in front of you. Period. You, you don't you don't let anything behind you. Uh, you don't care if you get beat for a 15 or 20 yard pass, but you cannot let it go for 30 plus. 
you know, get a guy on the ground, push him out of bounds, live to fight another day. So you go back and you're going to sit there. And I'm, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is going to watch the film tonight on the on the plane. I mean, I'm sorry, on the, on the uh, wherever he, how, however he's getting home, he's going to watch that film tonight. He's not going to wait till tomorrow, and he's going to play that single play over and over and over. And those two or three mistakes that happened in that game that changed the course of them winning that football game. And, and it's when he's right. It's a real gut punch because they had that game. I don't think Tampa, you know, Tampa made some key plays, and, and, I, and I think Tom played extremely well. But it was really two or three plays in that whole game that decided the outcome. It, it, it really is. And for the, the, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, do you think that he will be sitting back uh, eventually when he has time to contemplate everything? Knowing that Jordan Love's there on the sideline that they drafted a first-rounder, he said all the right things during the course of this season. But would it surprise you if he decided that he wants to go elsewhere and finish his career somewhere else? Because he could look at a guy like Tom Brady and say, hey, I think I've got three or four more years right. If I had the ability like Brady did, I know he's not a free agent, but to survey the field and see all of the possibilities, Matthew Stafford's going to do it, Deshaun Watson's going to do it. I mean, there are some really big-time playmaking quarterbacks who could be interested in moving on. How do you see this playing out? Well, I think we're seeing more of this than we ever have in the National Football League, right? Guys forcing their way out and letting it be known, hey, I, I want to be on the move. It's, it's the closest thing that the NBA's been for years, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson was public about it. Um, it you know, even though Aaron Rodgers didn't say it, it sure as hell sounded like he was, he was public about it. Um, and whether or not he is, uh, you know, pub, uh, you know, making it vocal or let it be known that uh, be, love being drafted was a problem it was and i can tell you that being a former player got drafted in your position it's a problem because that's the team that's not saying hey we need depth at this position it's not a wide receiver or cornerback in case somebody gets hurt you drafted the guy early on that means you want him to come and take your job and now you got a coach that comes in and, and kicks a field goal or uh when he shouldn't right and try to put more points on the board and you have him calling bad defenses in in different situations you know, now you're just wasting one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Now you're just wasting his years by not giving him just that extra push. Help him out. This guy's had an amazing year. He's done so much for that organization, and you didn't do much for him and put him in situations to win. So, um, you know, I'm curious to see what's going to happen, but it sure as hell sounded to me that he wanted he wanted his way out. What do you think about the decision to kick the field goal late in that Packers game against the Bucs? Uh, fourth down from the eight-yard line, kick the field goal, you're hoping to get the ball back. I always say, and I said earlier in this show, as a general rule, if the opposing team is excited about the choice that you have made, then you probably shouldn't do it. And I know there are a lot of people out there who are are fans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, probably listening to me right now, like as soon as they took Aaron Rodgers off the field and said, yeah, we want to make it a five-point game, they were ecstatic. What would you have thought uh, from a player perspective? And I know you can talk about analytics and everything else, but one analytical thing I don't want to do is give Tom Brady the ball over the last 20 years with a chance to get a first down or two and never give my guy a chance to get the ball back. What would you be thinking on the field, and what would you have thought after the game when you had more time to think about it? You know, Clay, I've been on the other side of that, right? Giving Tom Brady two minutes with the ball back in his hand, and we're up, right? And so if we're down, we don't ha- we don't have a chance because you're not getting the ball back from Tom Brady with two you know two minutes left. You're just not. 
Um, and, you know, if you're in a team just kind of scratching your head, trying to figure out what in the hell you're thinking, then I understand that coaching is not easy, right? I mean, you got 30 seconds to make a play call in certain situations and scenario, but we're, we're going back to football one-on-one. You got the greatest quarterback of all time on the opposite side of you. The chances are that he's going to do something really good with the football. And the second part of it is, if uh, I think we heard in the, in the press conference where Aaron Rodgers saying, that wasn't my decision. That wasn't my decision. He didn't, he didn't defend the coach. He didn't defend that call. He said, that I was not a part of that decision. And I think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he, he makes, you know, he's, he has like this dry comedy thing about him, right? He has this thing where he talks, he kind of subliminally says certain things, and it's funny, you can interpret it certain ways. But one thing that he is, is he's front and he's honest. He speaks things when they come, when they come up. And when he said that he wasn't a part of that decision, meaning that, hey, I wouldn't have called this. I wouldn't have, this, I, this was against my will and I wouldn't have done this. I, I don't feel good about this. Uh, so that just, you know, that just lets me know, man, there, there's some problems there. And I, I'm not saying it's a problem with him and the coach or the organization, but there's something going on there. And I, and I really expect uh, Aaron Rodgers to somehow, some way be on the move after this year. All right, so looking ahead, now we've got two weeks to talk about it, 13 days, whatever the heck it is, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How do you assess, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again uh, before this matchup actually happens, but early read from you. First question, is it impactful to be able to play from home? How much of an advantage? We've never seen this happen in the Super Bowl before. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're already back down in Tampa. They know they have to go nowhere. They get to work out exact same routine as normal. They're literally next door practicing to the football field. How much can that actually be an advantage in your mind to be able to play the Super Bowl at home? Well, it's a great advantage, but you know those guys are going to have to be extremely disciplined, right? Because when you're playing at home, uh, that means you're going to be there, you know, the weeks leading up to it. Uh, you got family and friends and everybody trying to be a part of what you're doing. And so you really have to be disciplined. And I think that with Tom Brady being there, uh, he's really going to be the enforcer, right? I mean, you know, grabbing guys up, you can't go out too late. You no, know, you know, curfew. I mean, there's, there's going to have to be something in place here because there's a ton of distractions uh, leading up to those weeks. And every, I mean, look at that. I mean, this, this is the busiest week of some of those guys' lives. And everybody's going to be pulling at you. Interviews. I want you to come out to this place, you know, and, and so much is going to be involved. So it's really how disciplined those guys can be. And I'm not talking about the, uh, I don't want to get to the fan aspect and playing in front of your home crowd. All oh, those things are great. But I'm talking about leading up to the game, uh, playing in your city. Uh, I can only imagine the type of distractions that's going to happen and things that they have to deal with leading up to the game. So whoever the leaders are, and, I'm, and I want to point to Tom Brady because I think that we heard a lot. After after they won at the press conference when they were on the field, and uh, 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 Coach Arian saying, "Look, Tom Brady came in with an attitude and changed his culture. You know, he's been a leader and a vocal leader, and he's going to have to be that uh, leading up to this game in order to keep those guys on track." You said it. I've said it. There are one of the great debates for sports for the last twenty years has been who's more responsible for the New England Patriot dynasty, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. I didn't think there was any way that in this year we would find an answer to that question. I'm sure even for normal fans this was a debate. I bet among NFL players, sometimes you guys would get together and debate that as well. 
it's kind of a, a, a foregone conclusion now, isn't it? With Brady going to the Bucks, winning three road games with them in year one, and it's not like he went to a team with some incredible culture of winning in the NFC You know that had been there year after year after year. He almost feels like he single-handedly willed them there. You've never seen this in the NFL. You've never seen one guy go to an organization and flip the script as he did. We've never seen it. We've seen it in the NBA. You know, LeBron goes to a team. You know they're going to win a lot of games. You know, you're going to have uh, James Harden go somewhere. They're going to win. Oh, Katie. Someone goes where they're going to win a lot of games. We've never seen in the NFL one guy go to an organization and flip everything they've done. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I hate saying and using the words never uh, because those are extreme words. Uh, but I just don't think we'll never see anything like it. We, we just won't. I mean, Tom Brady, I, for, for years, and playing against him, I've always worried about not only playing Tom Brady, but going there playing and coaching uh, from the mind of Bill Belichick and him you know, being able to switch uh, you know, all the boy games and, and switch up you know, some of the things they're doing, making in-game adjustments. Those are all coming from Bill Belichick. What we're seeing now is that Tom Brady was the key to their success. And because he was there for so long and winning, Bill Belichick took a lot of their credit for it. I mean, they didn't have him this year. Look what's happening to the team. Tom Brady's gone. He's gone to an organization. Look what he's done there. So if you look at it across the board, man, I just, you know, to call him the GOAT is really a, uh, it's not enough, right? Because, you know, we got a lot of the greatest of all time and things, but you st- now you got you to gotta make up, I don't know what that word is for Tom at this point, going <laughs> to another, you know, conference, going to another team, another coach, another organization, and winning just as he did for 20 years somewhere else. Uh, we got to figure out a new word for Tom. I don't know what it is yet, but we can figure it out. We're talking to Sean Merriman, Lights Out Podcast. Last question for you, and it's not football. I watched Conor McGregor fight uh, on, uh, and I know you're a big UFC guy as well, and I know a lot of our listeners are. What did you see from the McGregor fight? How much, if anything, does he have left in UFC in your mind? Well, you, you know what, Clay, watching that um, watching that fight, uh and, and and kind of being around Connor's camp and, and knowing where he trained and knowing his trainer, his team and staff and everybody that's around him, he trained hard as hell. He looked great walking into the fight. It wasn't a lack of training. But I can tell you right now, when you get kicked that much in your leg, and especially in your calf and your front leg, you can't put that thing down. Because it, it, to describe exactly what it feels like, it feels like your leg is swelling up with blood. And you, you put it in the ground, but it, it's not giving you anything back, almost like your a peg leg. And so once I see that he got a couple of nice calf kicks in there, and I've been there, I've, I've got my ass kicked a few times, got my legs kicked, and you just cannot put that leg in the ground anymore, you're almost destined to sit down and eat punches. There's nothing you can really do. Uh, I thought that, you know, uh, Dustin put, put together a hell of a game plan, the fight plan against him, um, you know, and give him credit. You know, he, he got whipped the first time around. He came back with a different mentality. He got much better as a fighter. He had more time in the octagon, and he was ready to go. Uh, I, I got no doubt in my mind that Connor will be back uh, with a big splash, and he'll be back on top, and now it might take him a year or so to do it. Um, but he's not done by a long shot. Sean Merriman, I appreciate you, my man. We'll talk to you maybe next week, uh, a little bit of Super Bowl preview. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, enjoy things. You got it. You too. That's Sean Merriman, Lights Out Podcast uh, with the iHeart Podcast Network. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Thanks to Sean Merriman. We're scheduled, by the way, to be joined by Jeff Fisher to start off the third hour of the program. Former Rams and also 
Titans coach. We'll be breaking down the AFC and the NFC championship game with him uh, all headed this way. Remember, you can call Farmers today for a quote. So I think of all the amazing stats about Tom Brady and him going to a 10th Super Bowl. The most amazing stat is that the two quarterbacks who were competing in the AFC championship game to try and beat him uh, were both in kindergarten the last time that Tom Brady, sorry, the first time that Tom Brady played in the Super Bowl. I mean, you want to talk about how amazing that is to think about. Kindergarten, the first time that they, that Brady was in the Super Bowl. So this is going to be a big discussion, obviously, for the next two weeks. So we talk about Tom Brady going up against Patrick Mahomes. I think the NFL gets the absolute best matchup they could possibly dream of, the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL going up against the hair hair apparent. And you could also say the hair apparent, H-A-I-R, because uh, obviously with all those State Farm commercials, uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, has got some great hair. But as you break down this, Mahomes is now in his second Super Bowl. He's now 25 years old. He will turn 26 in September. What should the over-under at this point in his career be for the number of Super Bowls that Patrick Mahomes will play in in his entire career? Now, let me give you a little bit of context. Brady's obviously in 10. The second most Super Bowls, I believe I am correct in this dub, that anybody has ever played in is John Elway played in five. No one else, maybe Joe Montana. Did Joe Montana play in five as well? I don't think anybody else has played in more than five Super Bowls. So right now, Brady has doubled everybody else in terms of the number of Super Bowls that they have played in. Mahomes is at two by the age of 25. If I set the number... At six, over under six Super Bowls that Patrick Mahomes will play in, would you go over or under that number, Dub, with the context understanding that Mahomes would then be guaranteed if he got to six or more to have played, maybe I should say five and a half, because setting it at five and a half would mean that he would have more Super Bowl appearances than anybody else in the history of of the NFL. What would you say, Dub? Would you go over or under five and a half? He's obviously at two now, so he would need four more in his career. The thing about him is he's a pocket passer, so the odds are that he's going to be able to have a lot of longevity in the NFL. We look at guys like Brady, 43, who knows how long he's going to play. Uh, Drew Brees, 41. Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, all of those guys are quintessential pocket passers who played well into their upper 30s. How many more Super Bowls does Patrick Mahomes go to? Well, I was going to set the number at six and a half. So, so above I'm, I'm mine. Going, so going you're going over. over. I'm going over because you think about it, and we've talked about this uh, recently on the show. Who's his competition in the AFC right now? It's nobody. There's a lot of young quarterbacks, but nobody who seems anywhere near his level. So that's one of the biggest factors to me, because I, I think Andy Reid's going to stick around for this ride. I mean, he's not the youngest of coaches, but when you get a guy like Patrick Mahomes on your team and you're Andy Reid, 
he's going to he's going to coach this team for a fairly long time I would imagine. So I think he's going to get to probably 7 Super Bowls would be my guess. I mean that's an incredible. So he, you're betting that he's going to be the second best quarterback of all time behind Tom Brady right now. Yes, I am. Um, it, it's we're going to be talking about this for the next two weeks and probably for the next 15 years, uh, to be honest, because at some point Brady's going to ride off into the sunset, maybe at the age of 50. Uh, but man, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen in this game. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, 
and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We are now going to be joined by a guy who knows a little something about coaching in the NFL to help us break down everything that happened in the AFC and the NFC Championship game and more. He is former uh, head coach of the Tennessee Titans and the LA Rams, Jeff Fisher. We bring in Coach Fisher now. Coach, the first question I want to ask for you is, do you think people who have played and coached in the NFL are more impressed by Tom Brady than your average football fan who has done neither is? In other words, are you guys even more astounded by a guy going to 10 Super Bowls than the casual fan is out there who is listening to me right now because you know even more so than the average fan does how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl? Well, it really is. You know, Clay, uh, last night after that game was over, before the second one started, just as Jim Nance and Tony Romo are getting ready, Jim Nance said something along the lines of, there are just not enough superlatives to describe what Tom Brady has done. And, you know, and I think we, everybody agrees. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a fan base out there, a younger fan base out there that probably doesn't remember him early on in his career. But this is this, you know. You say this will never be matched again, and then you watch the second game last night. You think, "Oh my gosh, uh, Patrick Mahomes! My goodness!" I mean, maybe he will. But this was just really, really impressive what he was able to do throughout, and it just speaks volumes. I mean, when you get tidbits here and there, um, you know, from guys that have played with him in the past, and you know, even guys that have gotten together with him this year. I mean, even I think they referenced a young receiver uh, that had, had gotten together to go throw at the park or something at a high school and he was just he didn't sleep all night long because he was going to go out and run routes for Tom and you know it is it's all, it's all about that it's astonishing what he was able to accomplish and you know I mean in that game I mean you know it's hard to pull for one over the other you know Aaron you know Aaron deserves it you know in my mind as much as anybody else but for Tom Brady to change teams change addresses and go on the road three times go to Green Bay and be Aaron Rodgers is playing really, really well and played another game. I mean, it, it, it only makes sense that only Tom Brady, Tom Brady at 55 years of Super Bowls would have an opportunity to play in his backyard. What I is mean, it's Br- really impressive what he's done. What is Brady doing now that looks different to you from a coaching perspective than what he might have done when you were preparing for him? What I mean, you started basically, you know, going head to head with him in the early days of the Brady level of dominance. What do you think he's doing better? How is he different now than maybe he was 15 years ago or 10 years ago? Well, I think uh, I think um, if you if you look at games, and I haven't studied the numbers, but Clay, I think the ball's going so much further down the field now. You know, I remember, you know, six, seven years ago, your offensive coordinator would say, hey, coach, I want to take a shot. And, all right, yeah, take a shot. Everybody's taking shots every snap. And the thing that's impressive to me, and I think, you know, there was some conversation, you know, at the end of last year and prior to him joining, you know, Tampa Bay. Well, how's the arm? 
You know, because I remember, I remember preparing way back when we, when I was hearing stories about Dan Marino was ha- having some arm strength issues early on in the season, and then we we were prepared for him later on the season. I hadn't seen him play, and I watched it. I tell you what, oh my gosh, poor, you know, you felt bad for Dan because the arm strength just disappeared overnight. There's no evidence whatsoever of of Tom, uh, you know, having any deficiencies in his game right now. I mean, the ball's going down the field. He's got a great group of, of guys to get to. And, you know, I think over time, you know, and people say this at the position, but it really slows down. Um, if there's a mistake, uh, he knows what exactly what, you know, what the mistake was. And as opposed to, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, if something happened on the field, go, gosh, I don't, I don't remember what happened. Or, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say Sam Darnold and, and I'm seeing ghosts, but he's in so much more command of everything and you know he just he's you know he just understands offense and defense and the whole thing and where his guys got to be so it's just really impressive I think it's going to be a it's going to be a great matchup and you know I mean we got a couple weeks to wait on it but it's it's good and and again uh, you know I'll take this opportunity right now Clay just to what an amazing job the NFL did uh, with respect to the the, the, the virus, I yeah. mean that is that that is not an easy task, and and I know these games are different. You know these games are different, and you probably talked about uh, hundreds of times about you know the difference in, in in the games in the stadiums right now. And you heard other coaches throughout the season. It's just not the same. It's just not right. But the NFL makes it look like it is. I mean, this truly was a championship weekend yesterday, and you know it's football at a highest level. Level and you know things are happening that, that normally happen in these games and you know I think I, I think you know from a fan standpoint you know the fans are really really fortunate that that the, the NFL you know had the leadership that it did in addition to the players association and then everybody associated you know in, in the medical field the experts to be able to pull this off is, is quite impressive. Would you have ever believed before the season started? I mean, I, I do think it's a remarkable accomplishment for the NFL to not only get to this point, but to have managed to do it without missing a single game and to now be on schedule for the Super Bowl to be played. Every game has happened. You would think, hopefully, we won't have any major issues now with two weeks till that one happens. It's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, I remember um, after the draft... And then they, they, you know, the league start talking about what they're going to do and, you know, and then we're going to start on schedule and da-da-da-da-da. And I was a little bit concerned because, you know, they did an, uh, an amazing job pulling the draft off, for one. But uh, I thought maybe they were getting a, a little bit uh, a little bit cocky, if you will, after, the, after pulling off the draft, going, okay, we got the draft, now we're going to do this, this won't be. But, man, I mean, they did it. I mean, not a game. I mean, yeah, they got to move some around, and, and, and they did that, and they did that, and, uh, you know, and everybody understand why it was going on. I think, you know, we had some games on Wednesday, didn't we, or, you know, something like that. Every day Tuesday, of the week, but, Coach. They played Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. and Sunday this year in yeah. order to stay on schedule yeah. all seven days. But that's a it's amazing that they can do that and partner with you know with the networks and and, and everybody and you know and, and everything associated with putting the game on. You talk about officials and you know you talk about first responder. You're talking about everybody associated with the production and they pulled it off. So you know, really, hats off to them. Uh, when you went to your Super Bowl with the Titans, 
Can you imagine what the advantage would be or how would you assess it to be able to play in your home stadium, which we've never seen in 55 years or 54 years. Now we're in the 55th year of the Super Bowl. What sort of advantage do you think Bruce Arians and the Bucks have to be able to play? Go back home. I'm sure they're already back home getting their game plan, relaxing a little bit. Uh, but to be able to play and practice literally next door to the, the stadium, how much of an advantage is that? Well, I mean – you asked the, you, the first part of this question was when we when we had ours. Well, it would have been a tremendous advantage because for this reason, there was only one week. Remember between the championship game, and the Super Bowl. That's right. We didn't have that. That was the last time that happened. And so, you know, probably an unfair unfair of me to answer that question, but you know, for obvious reasons. But you know, could you imagine? You imagine going back home and playing at home next Sunday? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, but so, but still, there's clearly advantages. I mean, these guys, you know, now you, you have to. You know, I, we don't know where they are with respect to COVID, and, and you know, and to the there uh, is there going to be a new bubble and things like that. But going home and and you know, and not having to pack up and not having to travel and you know, and working out of your own locker room and you know, your own facilities, it certainly makes a, a big difference. But um, you know, I don't know the way Kansas City's playing right now. I don't know. You know, they'll be talking about that. You know, after after the first couple of series, but it certainly will be an advantage for the players, their families. You know, I remember. You know, when we came back, Clay, and you remember this. I mean, we went down to Jacksonville, came back, had the. You know, we we circled the stadium, and there were forty, fifty thousand people there. We went back to the facility and had meetings. Yeah. Because the players had to leave the next day, and had and we had to stay, week, you know, a week in advance with respect to you know tickets and and hotels and travel and transportation and families and all that kind of stuff. That's not their issue. This is all about football now. I mean, I think the league's done a great job with respect to you know honoring first responders and so on and so forth with seventy five hundred tickets and you know enough that kind of thing. So you know the, there aren't going to be the numbers there. I think the fan watching the game won't won't necessarily see the difference, but it is going to be a different environment. But it certainly is from a comfort level, from a distraction level, it's going to be a lot easier being that home team, the real home team in this game first time in 55 years. Patrick Mahomes, you mentioned him. How? What is his ceiling at this point? I mean, it, it may be Brady, right? I mean, and that might be unfair comparison to make with anybody, but three straight AFC championship games, two straight Super Bowls, the guy's still not 26 years old. Does he remind you of anyone that you have seen over the years, or is he already at his age and accomplishment level in a class of his own? Well, I don't. I, I, well, he doesn't remind me of anybody. I mean, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, what he's accomplished at this point and the maturity level that it displays week after week after week, and and the athletic ability that he has on top on top of the understanding of this game, and then having these rare instincts to be able to deliver the football, you know, from any body position at any speed uh, in any position on the field. And any other to, to, to any target with accuracy. I mean, it's just something that we've—I don't think we've ever seen before. But I think, I think, out of fairness and respect to those that have come before him, I think he needs five, six, maybe seven before you start talking about or comparing him to Tom Brady, because this is this is a double-digit appearance in the Super Bowl for Tom Brady. 
We're talking That's to Jeff. We're talking to Jeff Fisher, uh, coach of the Tennessee Titans, and uh, I should say, I guess the St. Louis and the LA Rams. Um, when you watch a game now, like you watch the games yesterday, watch the Super Bowl get ready. How do you watch them? Are you watching with any kind of rooting interest because you have friends who are on the sidelines that maybe you like more than others? Do you find yourself calling the game in your head? Hey, it's third and two. I'd probably be thinking this on offense. I'd be thinking this on defense. I know it's harder to see exactly what the offense and defense are in with the television feed where you can't necessarily see the depth of the safeties or how exactly everybody's lined up. But how do you watch a game as a guy who has coached so many games over the years is it hard for you to not feel as if you're calling plays well yeah not calling plays but uh, I'll watch the game I think I think the best way to describe it I'll watch it from a fan perspective oftentimes you know I'm not believe me I'm not sitting there you know with my chin you know in my hands and staring in front of the tv and you know not talking to anybody I'm you know it's it's right. really it's been my my only opportunity to in addition to the other opportunities that I've had but I, I love watching games uh live uh, I look at you know I'll watch the game I'll watch the ball. I'll look at the defense. I'll look at different formations and things like that. But I think where I get, where I really tend to focus in is before the end of the half and before the end of the game and, and watch those types of decisions, the clock management, the game management decisions and things and so on. Those are things that I pay, you know, very, very close attention to. We had one yesterday that, you know, that I, I personally disagree with, and I think a lot of people will, but we don't have all the information. But um, you, you mean kicking the you know, field goal I, late at the game for the Packers instead of going for it? Well, yeah, but I'll put it to you in a different way. Uh, you took the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand after third down, and yeah. he never touched it again. Uh, yeah. Never touched it again. And so, you know, that's, I mean, and, and hey, you can debate it, and we can go on and on forever. It just didn't feel right to me. Um, because the you know Aaron Rodgers has the ball, you know, and you're down eight, and you're gonna you know it's fourth down, and there's plenty of time left. I just didn't. But anyway, I mean, uh, you know, I read I read some stuff this morning about you know both from you know both from Aaron and and, and from Matt, and you know just hey, it's just one of those things. It's a he's a battle. It's emotions, and you know, Matt, I'll tell you what, when you're a play caller. And you're also trying to manage games. It, it, it affects it, and I've always said that, and I, you know, never deny that. I defend that. I just said that for for years. That eventually it's going to come up. And and hey, look, there's a lot of things. So they not had, you know, they not been called for pass interference or what have you. It might have been a little bit different as well. But you just don't, don't know. But I think I think you know, getting back to your original question, yeah, I'm going to watch games from a different perspective through different lenses because I've been in the game for so long, and I've seen a lot of stuff go on, and you know, over the years, and and you know, penalties and. and Enforcements and mistakes, and you know, and those kinds of things, um, and rule changes. You know, I stayed up on that. So yeah, I look at I look at it through probably a more sophisticated set of lenses than most people, just We're talking, because of my experience. Oh, there's no doubt. And I want to ask you about that. Not particularly the decision, although I do think it was an interesting one to kick the field goal and not go for it on fourth and eight. But you've had to make a lot of those decisions on the sideline in your time as a head coach. When do you make a decision? that you're going to go for it, right? Like, so one of the things that always frustrates me is when you see somebody take a timeout and it doesn't happen as often as it used to, but it's like we can't make a decision up about what we need to do, so let's take a timeout and talk about it beforehand. 
But yeah, and then there's a delay of game or they're rushed yeah, right. to get the playoff. Yeah. That's right. And you have yeah. that scenario. To me, when you're driving in that situation and you know you're in a you know second and eight, third and eight. Now, I understand if, let's say, you got tacked and you lost 10 yards and now it's fourth and 18 or something like that. That can change your thought process. But in the back of your mind, aren't you thinking once you know you're in a goal-to-go situation, hey, we're either going to go for this on fourth down or we aren't barring some crazy decision in some crazy circumstance? Or in your mind, how did you make those choices? Well, no, yeah, no, you, you know, this is it. I mean, I, I think, I, I think what you have to do, most, most importantly, to make a choice yourself is informing your staff. Right. Um, you got to let them know. This okay, is it. This we're going to, we're going to win this or a lose. Four yeah. down series. Yeah. yeah. And don't, I'll handle the, 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 the management after this, but in your mind, this is what you've got to do. And I think one of the, toughest things that a head coach can do to an offensive play caller. Uh, and I see it happen all the time is um, you, you've got a, you, you have a third, say you got a third two or a third one. And, and all of a sudden, and that that's, it, it's not effective. You don't convert. Now you look at a fourth and one. And now you say, go for it. Well, he's scrambling, trying to get personnel on the field and the play clock's running and all that kind of stuff. You know, if he just simply say, Hey man, you know, we're in a field position here where you got two shots ahead of time. Yeah. Then he can set up his, his. He can set up the fourth down call. He can do what he wants. What he wants, but you know, so much of to me, the situational work should be attempted to be done before before Sundays, before kickoff. Whether that's the weekly stuff or the unusual stuff or what have you. But the more help you can give your play callers, the better off you are. And it's like even I think as a head coach, even if you're say you're even out there three and a half minutes or four minutes, and and you you either you got to and you say you got to get a stop and get the ball back and you got to use the timeout or whatever it is it's nice to be able to tell your offensive staff hey get your guys together if things go the way we we expect them to you're going to get the ball back with a minute 42 seconds left and you're going to have one timeout and a field goal wins and then when he communicates that to his players on the sideline while the defense is on the field, there's a comfort level there of knowing what's what's required in advance. And and the more you can, you, the more you can and uh, get a, uh, across to the players prior to the comp competition. I mean, for example, if you're working, if you work this and work this and work this in practice, it'd be like the music city miracle. For example, uh, the, more, the, the greater confidence they have in the executing the play. So the more situational stuff you can do prior to game, the better off you're going to be. And the more time you can give people to prepare, the better off you're going to be. It's that spontaneous reaction or, um, you know, or, or, you know, go for it type of thing. As I described this hard on play callers. Now, here, and to add to that, if you follow that reasoning, then eventually the play caller is going to get so caught up in the play call itself that he's going to have difficulty managing the games. And if he is doing both, then he better have somebody in his ear that he can completely trust. It's interesting. I want to get one more question for you and then bring you back, if I could, for a few more minutes to close out the show. Sure. But Tony, Dungy, yeah. Tony Dungy, a guy I know you uh, coached against, went on Twitter at the end of the first half uh, and said, that may be the worst defensive design I've ever seen with eight seconds and no timeouts left. Green Bay, I'm not sure how you play inside technique, man-to-man, and not just play zone and protect the sideline in the end zone. Question mark, amazing. 
a lot of people focusing on the end of the game scenario, but the end of the half scenario may well be where Green Bay lost this game because they put themselves in a position to be down double digits. What happened there, and how frustrated would you have been on the sideline if that had been your team giving up that touchdown to Tom Brady to go into the half down 21-10 on basically the final play of the half? That would have been a nightmare situation in the in the locker room at halftime. And you have to address it immediately and put it behind you and go on. And hey, we're good. Da 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 da. But there's no way. And I agree with Tony. There's no way that should happen, especially with the amount of time. I mean, regardless of the time. I mean, you understand understand whether there's timeouts or not, and, and what what they have to do. And, and and then now they're coming out after after they set the punt team on. Now they're coming back out and they take a shot. To me, to me, I mean, we can blame the the technique, and you can you can blame. Not that I, I want to blame her, but but the responsibility goes on the defensive play caller not to put the corner in that position. No you doubt, you just don't put somebody in there. There's a different concept. There, there's a there's a completely different configuration of defense, and I could probably give you eight or ten of them offhand that would avoid that that situation. And that being, as Tony has told you, it probably is the worst thing you could possibly do. Now, we saw stuff, you know, you saw stuff out of the New York Jets and one of my former coaches and a friend in Greg Williams um, against Oakland. I mean, and he got fired the next day. Yeah. And so, but there's, um, you know, that you just don't do that at this, especially in the championship game. But, you know, no excuse, but, you know, people say, hey, emotions are high. You know, it, it's, it's different. It's a different game. As further you go through the playoffs, the, 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 the greater the intensity level and the motion is. And so it's the experience of guys that keep coming back over and over again because they understand that. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.